You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Thank you. Let's take our Bibles. Romans chapter 14. And if I can have you take the two passages, Romans chapter 14, Matthew chapter 25. Romans 14, Matthew 25. You always get nervous if you have the right message. I don't know that you can have the wrong one um, after all these years, but I, I think I've shoved a round peg in a square hole too many times to know that sometimes you can have a, the wrong message for that moment. And I was just debating it. And then um, the special was sung, Have We Done Our Best for Jesus?, and I knew God confirmed it, that this is where we're supposed to be. So they may not, that may not give you a peace, but it gives me a peace that we're on the right track this morning. Um, always honored to stand behind the pulpit here of uh, Pastor White. And uh, I know I, I say this, and, and you, you understand it, but sometimes when, um, when you have good things all the time, it's easy to take them for granted. Uh, you know, some of you that have nice houses and cars and Many of us that have nice things in life, sometimes you take it for granted because you have it all the time. And that's just the way things are. And, and we're not wrong. It's just God's blessed us as a, as, a, as a people. And I think if you'll allow me to, as an outsider coming into your church, I think you've been blessed with a, a, a pastor and a wife and a family that many would envy. Um, and sometimes when you have a lot, it's easy to take it for granted. I know I do. Um, so it is a privilege to stand before here and and then to be invited to uh, um, up for the youth with Brother Ben. And um, I'm not sure if I'm getting punished or blessed. I'm not sure. But, um, but it's been a blessing. I, uh, my wife and kids are in California as we speak. They've been on vacation visiting her folks. And so um, this just worked out real well. For, I, I believe God just opened the calendar for me to be here. So uh, Romans chapter 14. I wish I had a, a, a better uh, subject, but it's the one God wants us to look at uh, this morning. So we're going to use Romans 14 as a springboard, and then we'll sp uh, spend most of our time in Matthew 25. But Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse number 10. The Bible says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to the Lord. Now, to, to God, would you go over to Matthew 25 now? Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, beginning in verse number 14, the Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as of a man traveling into a far country, who calleth his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. 
And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. And behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. And Lord, lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers that at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. And let's pray together uh, this morning. Father, we ask for your blessing on now the, uh, the message of the hour. I thank you for the, sing the singing. I thank you for the offering. And Lord, now as we assemble to hear thy word, I do pray that, you'd, uh, that it would come forth with great power today. And, and Lord, I pray that we would not get caught up in delivery, but would we get caught up in truth. And I ask that, Lord, you would help uh, these feeble lips. And uh, Lord, I do pray that if there's one or many here that know not thee as Savior, that have never trusted Christ. And Lord, I know it's a summer, and I know that, Lord, summer mindset is here, but I pray that the message of the hour hopefully would get our eyes back on things eternal and off of the earth. And I ask that God for a brief moment would you draw our attention to thy word as we seek to lift you up this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. There are two main judgments spoken of in the Bible. Um, and they have to do with two, two groups of people. Um, one is unsaved. The other is saved. By unsaved, I mean those that have never trusted Christ as their personal Savior. They've never, they know possibly who Jesus is, but they've never trusted Christ. And then, the, and we call that the great white throne judgment. Happens at the end of Revelation. It happens, so it's a horrible thing. But there is a judgment for us that are saved. Now, we talk about heaven and we talk about the rapture, and for many of us, there's an excitement over the rapture. There's an excitement over going to heaven and, and a mansion and all the things that are in heaven and, and the loved ones that we'll see again and, and all the, the wonderful pictures that God gave us in heaven. But the longer that I'm saved, and, and I guess the more that I try to do for the Lord, and um, you know, there's one event that I'm not looking forward to. Um, and it's called the judgment seat of Christ. 
We as Christians, those of us that are saved, all of us, as we read in, in Romans, will stand before Jesus Christ someday. It's going to happen. It's not a maybe. It's not maybe it'll happen or maybe it won't. It will. If we are saved on this side of the rapture, we will stand before Jesus Christ someday and give an account of our life. Now, you may say, well, I, I thought Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Well, that's the great part about it. Aren't you glad we'll never give an account for our sins? That was taken care of on Calvary. That's what the great white throne's about. That's what the unsafe folks will be. Uh, the Bible says the books will be open. Our sin is paid for. That's why we get to go to heaven. But we will have to give an account. See, most people, some, I say most, but not, not, not here, but the average uh, Christian maybe in, in, in America or around the world, they get saved and they treat it as fire insurance. They, they, they think that it's saved and I'm not going to hell so I can live like I want to live. They call it liberty now. They call it grace and God, it's all about grace, all about liberty. It's all about freedom. I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to heaven. And yet... God's very clear, and he many times through the New Testament, Jesus reminds us and God reminds us that there is coming a day that you and I that are saved, we're going to have to answer for everything we've done in our bodies since we've been saved till the rapture or till when God takes us home by death with Zevers first. We, you say, well, I thought we, again, it's not to answer for sin, it's the answer for what we have done for Jesus Christ in the time God has given us since we've been saved till either the rapture or death. And I, 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 I've, I've wondered many times, and, and I, here's the thing, and, and I, I guess I'm not trying to be overly dramatic on it, but our, all of our earthly life will come down to one defining moment. Everything, everything you and I are doing is going to come down to one moment. And at that moment, please listen, it's not going to matter what type of car you have. It's not going to matter how big our houses were. It's not going to matter how big your 401k is. It's not going to matter how much money we had. It's not going to matter. And nothing's going to matter because we're going to be standing before Jesus Christ that moment. And the only thing that's going to matter from the moment we got saved till the moment we went to heaven is going to be what have we done for Jesus Christ. And that's what we call the judgment seat of Christ. I've, I've tried to picture what it's going to be like. Um, again, I think the, you know, to a new Christian... Someone that just got saved, it's not that big of a deal. But for some of us that have been saved for a little bit, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I, I think about what it's going to be like, and, and I, don't, I, I, I know we have a picture of our Lord um, in Revelation 1, eyes of fire and the white hair and the feet of breath. But I always try to picture what Jesus looks like. And I don't think it's the feminine pictures that the world puts out of him. Our Lord was a carpenter. I've never met a feminine carpenter. He's a man. 
But now he's God, and he always was God, but now he's... And, and I, I always try to picture what it's going to be look like. How big is he? How tall is he? I, I don't know. But I, I, I picture what it's going to look like, and I, I often I, I, I come to myself and... I believe that you and I, when we stand before the Lord, there's going to be a little bit of fear in there. Would you agree? I, it's just our Lord. I, I mean... He, he's going to be there, and, and I'm going to, anyone, you read the Bible, anybody that ever sees the Lord in the New Testament, uh, after, it's, it's kind of like they fall down. They're afraid. And I, I just imagine what it was going to be like, and I, the honesty that has to be at the judgment seat, why? He knows it all anyway. He's looking at us, and he knows it all. He knows our very life. He knows everything. He knew the hair on our head. Every moment of our life, he knows. So when you're standing before him, it's not going to do us any good to try to come up with some excuse. It's the honesty that's going to be standing before our Lord that day. I, I, I try to, and, and this is where uh, the special can I, I think a lot of us are going to feel a lot of guilt that day. I don't think there's one person that's ever been saved that's lived that will not feel guilty for not doing more for our Lord standing before him that day. I, 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 th I think of uh, the great Curtis Hudson. As he was passing away and as cancer was eating his body up, he said, and then the great Curtis, I mean, of all the things Curtis Hudson did, of all the things that he did, here's what he said to many of them. He said, I've done so little for Christ. If he has, what are we like? And he's looking, and I, I always picture the, the fear. I, I know, I know I'm going to be ashamed. I know I am. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, and I'm, I'm going to, I, I know when we're standing before the Lord. Would you understand? Here's, here's my, would you agree? I want to have a good judgment seat. Would you understand what I mean by that? As a husband, I want my wife to have a good judgment seat. How many of you parents want your kids, after salvation, to have a good judgment seat? I, I, want, my, I want my kids to. I, I want, as a pastor now again, I want my church to have a good judgment seat. I don't want them to come up and wonder what it's all about. and I don't want them to kind of get to heaven and go, well, what's this? I want them to know that it's coming. I want to tell this, is, and I want my church to have a good judgment seat. And, and as a fellow Christian, I want you to have a good judgment seat. Now, with that understanding, none of us are probably going to have a good one. We, you understand what I mean? We've all probably lived too carnally at times, and none of us are perfect. We've all fallen short. But here's my question. How? How do we have a good judgment seat? How are we going to get to the point of, when we stand before Jesus that day, how are we going to have a good judgment seat? Well, in Matthew 25, Jesus gives us a parable that illustrates the judgment seat of Christ. In verse 14, it says, as a man traveling, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. That's Jesus. Who called his own servants, that's you and I, and delivered unto them his goods, not their goods, his goods. So he gives us talents and money and different things, and they're his, but, and he gives one five, one two, one one, 
And then verse number 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. That's the rapture. And the Bible says at the end of verse number 19, and reckoneth with them. That's the judgment seat. And what it begins to say is that he begins to describe these three, I believe three, uh, uh, um, you can call them typical Christians that will stand before him. He could have had seven or eight. He gave us three, two good, one bad. And looking at our passage, I don't want to focus on the bad one. I want to focus on the first two. Because what they got is they got a well done from the Lord himself. And by the way, if you're like me, sometimes I wonder if I'll ever get one. But did they get one? Now, I'm not trying to say this as far as uh, uh, percentage-wise, but two out of three got a well done. That's, that's good for you and I. Amen. What did they say? And by the way, he complimented them. He commended them. And I think you'd understand the power of a compliment depends upon who gives it. Um, there's some people that can give you a compliment at really not that big of a deal. Uh, not, not to say anything about them, but maybe your respect for them is not that great. So when they give you a compliment, it's, eh. There's some people when they give you a compliment, it's like, man, thank you. I, I, that means a lot. There's some people that don't give compliments much. And when they, if they give you one, you're, you're, you're thinking, man, I, wow, I'll remember that. Then there's God. God does not compliment much. God is very, he's very few in how he says great people or he compliment, but he gives these two servants a compliment. And I know we've read this passage before, and so when God commends somebody, I take notice of it, and I want to see what he's commending. And he praises them for really two things, and, and I want to call your attention to two words today, and I promise we'll be done. Number one, he says, well done thou, what's that word? And two words. You are a good servant. You are a faithful servant. And I want to look at that, those words today. I want to look at the idea of being a good and faithful servant. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, well done, thou talented and popular. Well done, thou wonderful and Great. He said, he, he gave two words that you and I can all do. Good and faithful. What is, what is the good, what is a good servant? We'll look at that first one. Now, judging from the story, when we read, we can safely assume that the, the servants were given instructions about what they were supposed to do with their goods. Uh, we can assume that. I, I, it never says that they were shocked when the owner came back. It didn't say he came back suddenly and they were just wondering what. No, they knew when he came back, they automatically went to him and they said, look, this is what we've, look what we've gained. They knew to do that. 
And the, the other one came back and said, look, I, I've gained five more. I gained, I've gained two more. They knew to come to the master and say, this, they already have been planted. Why? Because the third one, remember, he didn't do anything, right? He took his, he dug it in the earth. Then he dug it back up when the master came back. And note, now, that's a little lazy. Would you agree? Didn't do much. But notice what Jesus calls him. Verse, 20, verse, verse 26. The Bible says, his Lord, in answer to this third one, said, thou, what's that first word? Now, we get the slothful part, right? Lazy. Didn't do nothing, just stuck it in the earth and didn't do much. But wicked. Why did he call him that? I bring before you because he didn't do what the other first two did. He went against the wishes of the Lord. He didn't obey what the Lord does. What does a good servant do? Very simply, a good servant does what the master tells him to do. That's it. That's all. I mean, a good servant, all he does is obey the master. If the master tells him to do this and the servant does it, it doesn't matter what it is if he just does what the master tells him to do. Guess what? That's a good servant. Would you agree? We all have kids, and if we tell them what to do and they obey, that's a good kid for that moment. <laughs> but that's a good servant. He simply just did what the master told him to do. And when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ... God commends those that simply obey and do what God has told them to do. And you know what they did? They just obeyed it. They, they, they just did what the master told them to do. Now, can we be Okay, let me just stop. All of us have disobeyed the master on some level. Can we just be all on the same level with that? We're not. None of us are perfect. I'm not... And, and many of us probably daily don't do everything that the Bible says. So when I'm, I'm talking the major things in life, like this is who you should marry, this is where you should go to church, these are the things you should be doing. Those are that you're sitting in church, you're trying to do right, you're trying to you know, live the Christian life. Those are the, we're getting the big ones down. Do you, under, you follow me? So you're obeying in that respect. And so you, you're, you're obeying. Now, here's the thing. Of a good servant, God simply wants us to go where he wants us to go and do what he wants us to do. Now, I know that's simple, but are you doing that? Are you where God wants you to be? And are you doing what God wants you to do? And that constitutes a good servant. Now, here's our problem. Instead of trying to figure out what God wants for me to do, and if I'm doing that, and, and, and if I'm doing that, and I'm, I'm going to... What happens is we start looking around at whatever people are doing. And instead of trying to obey the master, we start competing with other people. And here's where discontentment come in. See... God never intended for us to look around and see what everybody else is doing and try to do more than them. See, he, he many times God uses the race in the Christian life. It's a race. It's a race. We're to finish our race. Would you agree? Our race is not run against other people. 
You have your own race, I have my own race. It's not who gets to the finish line first. It's not how fast I can run. It's not how I run. It's the fact if I finish or not. I fought a good course. I have finished. I have kept the... That's right. It's just finishing that we're supposed to do, but we get all caught up in trying to beat somebody else. At the end of the day, we want to hear, well done. Would you agree? And the way we're going to do that is just obey what God has told us to do. Abraham obeyed, didn't he? Moses obeyed. Noah obeyed. Elisha obeyed. Elijah obeyed. David obeyed. The disciples obeyed. You look in the Old Testament. When God put the tabernacle together and he gave Moses the Levites as a tribe. He said, those are going to be the servants, and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to do all the work of, of, the, of the tabernacle. They're going to put it up. They're going to take it down. They're going to do everything. They're going to be the work. They're going to do the sacrifices. They'll clean it, everything. That was the Levite's job. And we know Aaron was the high priest and his sons. And there were probably some high-profile ones that got, and I say high-profile, they got to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You understand what I mean? I mean... When it came down when they, to move, there was four of them, five, maybe just carrying the ark. Would you agree those are pretty special people? <laughs> and, and, the, and there are probably ones that got to take down the, the sheet that, that, would, that would separate the Holy of Holies from the normal courtyard. And, and that person was probably known. That's, the, that's his job. That's their one job that they're supposed to do. And that's what they did for 40 years. But there are a myriad of other Levites that had tiny little small jobs to do in that tabernacle and nobody knew about it. And you know what they're supposed to do? They were just supposed to do their tiny little job. I say tiny, not like it's unimportant. It's, not un it's unseen, it's in the background, no one knows they're doing it, but it's God himself told them to do that. And God put them in that position, and God was supposed to watch over, and they were doing that, and they did that faithfully for 40 years. You know what they're going to get in heaven? Well done. They just did what God told them to do. See, we get so caught up, and see, you, you look at the pastor and the preachers, and I'll tell you this, the churches I've been at, the greatest people in the church are normally sitting in the pews, not on the, not on the platform. Now, it's maybe different here, but I know in my church that's the case. The greatest people are sitting in the pews. They just do their job day in and day out. They just do, and I'm not saying it's small. I'm not saying it's, 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 it's unimportant, but, I, but I'm telling you this. If you're serving in a ministry, and whether it's visible or not, and you're, do, you're where God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do, and sometimes that old, that old flesh will jump up on your shoulder and go, it doesn't matter if you're doing what you're supposed to do. Why are you doing this? It's, it, it's of no matter. Who, who are you helping? What's the goal? Why should you stay faithful? I'm here to tell you because you're going to be grateful that you stayed faithful when you stand before the Lord that day. It may be small. It may be insignificant. It may be seen. It may be unseen. But I am telling you this. You need to be where God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do. I want a good judgment seat. I want you to have one too. A good servant just does what God told him to do. By the way, have you ever noticed that God never told us what each servant did? He never said what the guy with five did. Why? What, what did the other time? The guy made two more. He never told us what they did. Why? Because it's not important. <laughs> you just do what God tells you to do. 
And you just, you say, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a teacher, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm telling you, raise your hand if you have children. That's going to get you a well done if you do it right. And by the way, you can only do it right to a certain point. Then it's on the child. But a well done has to do, mom, you may not be a teacher. You may not. My wife's judgment seat is going to be totally different than mine. Why? There's going to be a total different criteria for her to get a well done than for me. She's not a preacher. She's not a teacher. She doesn't have to go around uh, managing the church. She doesn't do all the things that I do. But you know what? I have to do all those things. And so, you know what? She's, she's at home at this moment in this season of her life. You know what she's doing? She's raising our children while I'm doing what God wants me to do in the field. And at the moment, if Jesus Christ would come back right now, I truly believe that she would get a well done. Now, again, she's not preaching. She's not doing the scene. She's not, but she's raising the children. She, she's a keeper of the home. She's doing what God wanted her to do for our family in this day and age. And so there's a good. But let me move on for the sake of time. Let me, so much, we hear, we hear, do you want to have a successful Christian life? You ever hear that? I have a successful Christian life in here. Well, I want to be a successful Christian. I want to be one. An old preacher said this. We got to get rid of the mentality of a successful Christian and get into our mind. I just want to be an obedient Christian. Whatever the world thinks is successful is fine. It doesn't matter. I just want to do what God told me to do where God told me to do it. And what's the second thing he so thou well done, thou good and Faithful is someone that just keeps doing what God told them to do. You're able to be counted on. You just stay faithful to whatever God says you're doing. Now, can God change that? Absolutely. Absolutely, God can change it. Sometimes he'll take someone in a ministry and they'll do a complete opposite and you'll go this way in the ministry and then God will do it. And there's some people, like your pastor and the wife, God has just kept them here for... Forever? <laughs> and some people, God, one's not right and one's not wrong. Can we be okay with that? But sometimes God's going to keep you in the same spot for a while. And sometimes God's going to keep moving you around. And, and what happens is faithfulness is just doing what God wants you to do. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And we're just supposed to carry out the will of God for our life, no matter what God tells us, no matter where God puts us, no matter what God does. And don't let the world tell you if you're successful or not. And don't let other, don't, don't look at your success based on other people. That's their race. That's not your race. You do what you're supposed to do and let God tell you that you've been well done. Don't let somebody else do it. Some of you are, well, I'm just, I'm here and I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I, listen, you just be faithful to what God told you to do. And someday, if you're what you're doing, what God wants you to do, where you're supposed to do it, and you're faithful at it, it's all going to be worth it someday when you stand before our Lord and he says, well done. And you know, at that moment, you're, you, you, know, you know what you're going to say? Praise, it was worth it. 
And, some, and you're going to go through seasons now that you, it's not going to feel worth it right now. But I guarantee you, that's why I set our affections on things above. we got to keep looking to the finish line. we got to keep looking to the judgment seat. That's why God keeps saying again and again, judgment seat, judgment seat, judgment seat. And if you can keep that in the back of your mind, it doesn't matter how much money we have or where we go or all the, all the different things. What's going to matter someday is when we stand before the Lord. Oh, it's going to be... Can you hear him say it? Why? Faithful, able to be counted on. Faithfulness doesn't necessarily mean the same location or area. But notice what he says, verse number 19. He gives us a little bit of a time frame here. The Bible says, after a what? A long time. After a long time. And some of you, you've been faithful for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and, and longer years. I'm not saying, but to the Lord as far as after salvation. You haven't walked out on the Lord. You certainly haven't been perfect, maybe, but you haven't walked out on Him. You're sitting on a Sunday morning service. You're doing something, trying to do something for the Lord. Maybe you're in a low season. Maybe you're in a season that God has kind of put you aside and waited till something else comes. And, and no matter what, and, and Ecclesiastes 3 talks about all those different seasons that we have. And I don't know what season that you're in, but whatever season that you're in, hey, let's determine to stay faithful to our Lord. God may have you in a low season. God may have you in a season that you don't see a lot of fruit right now. Maybe it's a little dark. Maybe, maybe you're putting so much effort into something and really nothing is coming out. You stay faithful during that season. We shall reap if we what? If we faint not. You stay faithful during that Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Whatever God calls us to do, we are to do. Someday, someday, I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's going to be single file line or how that's going to work, and I don't know if everyone's going to be witnessing our judgment seat. I don't know. But someday, the Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall... And we will, and we think of that in Philippians as just the unsaved doing it, but all of us. And we're going to be saying it because we want to say it, not we're forced to say it like Revelation 20. They're forced to say it. Hitler is going to bow the knee someday. All the wicked, Muhammad's going to bow the knee someday. All the wicked rulers throughout eternity, they're going to bow the knee someday and admit Jesus Christ is the king of glory. They're going to admit someday, but you and I, we're going to do it willingly. We're going to do it willingly. And, and at that moment, at that moment, we're all going to wish, like the man saying, that we've done more for the Lord. I'm asking you this morning, there's two words that God describes these it, two out of three got it. It's within reach with all of us. We can get a well done. It's not something that, and we understand if we're in heaven, we're not going to be tossed out and into the lake. of it's, We're in heaven. It's a, but don't you want to get a well done? Good and faithful. Would you stand with me this morning with your head bowed and your eyes closed?
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.